Lesson number 81, Surah Al-An'am, ayah number 60 to 73. Wahuwa, and he is, Alladhi, the one who, Yatawaffakum, he takes you fully, he recalls you in full. Bilayli, in the night, Wayalamu, and he knows, Ma, that which, Jarahtum, you all have committed. Binnahar, in the day. It is He, meaning Allah, who takes your souls by night, and it is He who knows all that you have committed during the day. Yatawafakum from Wawfaya, He takes you in full, meaning He takes your souls. When? During the night, meaning when you fall asleep, how is it that you have fallen asleep? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken your soul. This is why it is said that sleep is like the sister of what? Of death. Sleep is like the sister of death. It is very similar to death. Because when a person is asleep, there may be sound waves hitting his ear. But can he perceive those sounds? No, he cannot. Can he understand the conversations that are taking place around him? No, he cannot. Just like that, a person who is dead, he's lying down. People may be talking, conversing. Can he? Be a part of that conversation? No, he cannot. He's very similar to a person who is asleep. And a person who is sleeping is very similar to the person who is dead. They resemble in their state. So the word for sleep that is mentioned over here is also used for death. يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ Because the soul is taken away. But what happens is that when we are sleeping, the soul is not taken away in full. You can say that half of it is taken away. And it is returned to the body, so a person wakes up. But when a person dies, then what happens? The soul is taken away in full, and it is never returned to the body. So, وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ He is the one who takes your souls by night. Meaning you cannot fall asleep until Allah takes your soul. Does that happen to you ever? That you're lying in bed, sometimes for 45 minutes, sometimes for an hour, and you cannot fall asleep. Why? Maybe because you just had a cup of coffee? Or because you're very anxious and nervous about what's going to happen tomorrow? Or because you're unwell and you're not able to fall asleep? There may be different reasons. I remember once I was extremely sick and I had been taking Tylenol throughout the day. You know like literally you wait for the four hours to end so that you can take your next dose. That's what I've been doing all day long. And during the night I could not sleep. I just could not sleep. You know, the first time ever I experience this, that you're lying in bed and you cannot sleep. It's dark, you're tired, keeping your eyes closed, there's no noise, nothing at all that would keep you awake, but still you cannot sleep. Why? Because until Allah allows you to sleep, you cannot fall asleep. وَهُوَ الَّذِي يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ He is the one who takes your soul by night. And this teaches us that sleep is in whose control? Your sleep is in whose control? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, if you're suffering from insomnia, or you're suffering from the inability to control your sleep, then who do you need to turn to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you're suffering from excessive sleep or lack of sleep, then who do you need to turn to for help? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, you can take some meds to help you fall asleep, or to help you control your sleep on the other hand. But still, they can never be 100% effective unless and until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows them to. 
سو وہ الدی یتوفاکم بالليل ويعلم ان هي نوز ما جرحتم بالنهار وات ايفر ذات يو كميت وات ايفر ذات يو اكواير ثرو ذا دي جرحتم از فروم ذا روت لترز جيم را ح جرح ريمبر ذا وورد جروح جروح وات دوز جروح مين والجروح قصاص ذاتس جوارح اوكي جوارح ار وات لمبز بت جرح جروح وات دوز ذات مين wounds injuries okay so jarahtum literally means the injuries that you have caused he knows about the injuries that you have caused through the day but that's not the meaning over here okay jarahtum jarh is used for wounds but it's also used for any action that a person has committed anything that a person has acquired whether that action is good or it is bad so anything that you've committed through the day who knows about it allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and think about it sometimes really during the day we injure one person we hurt another hmm? we break something we destroy something else we damage something else we scratch something else all the things that we have hurt all the people that we have hurt all the things that we have damaged all the effects that we have caused during the day who knows about it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And sometimes they're in a good way and sometimes they're in a bad way. So jurahtum is a general word, not just evil actions, but also good actions. Everything that you've committed. You know, sometimes you're working, let's say on this desk, and maybe you're writing or something, and you accidentally scratch the surface of the table. That's also what? Jurahtum. So what does this word show to us? Every small action and every big action. Sometimes we're standing against a wall and we... scratch the paint off accidentally but what is that a small action unintentional deed every kind of action that you commit during the day who knows allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about it and what does this show to us the supreme knowledge of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his great knowledge and his great ability because who can know everything about someone the one who is very very capable because we as human beings sometimes it happens that we want to know what others have done or what others are doing for example as a mother you may want to know everything about your child where is my daughter going who is she going to talk to what is she going to eat who is she going to sit with all right everything parents might want to know so they ask you everything they interrogate you sometimes sometimes they call your friends sometimes they talk to your teachers but still can they know 100% about you you know what i'm talking about right can they know 100% about you no they can't why because there are times when we manage to do things without letting them have any idea but your mom may not have an idea dad may not have any idea but who knows allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa ya'lamu ma jarahtum bin nahar he knows everything that you acquire throughout the day Likewise there may be someone whom we really love and we want to know what they do. You know like sometimes people follow others so they check okay where are they going and what are they going to do where are they going to eat they want to follow them. But can they know 100% about them? They cannot. Only Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And this is amazing that every creature on this planet, every human being in this world, whatever they do during the day, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. So long as they live, so long as they're moving and they're performing various actions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. From the moment they wake up to the moment they fall asleep. Think about it. 
Since this morning when you woke up until the night time when you go to sleep. Everything that you've done, every step you've taken, Allah knows. وَيَعْلَمُ مَا جَرَحْتُمْ And this goes on. That in the night, your soul is taken. In the morning, it is returned. Everything that you do during the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows about it. However, remember that summa then يَبْعَثُكُمْ He will raise you. Fihi in it. Then what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises you in it, meaning He gives you, He returns your soul to you. When? During the day. لِيُقْضَى And this keeps going on, that every morning your soul is returned to you. You have another day to live. You have another day to acquire more. But this is going on, why? لِيُقْضَى So that it may be complete. أَجَلٌ A term, مُسَمَّنْ One that is fixed. Meaning, every morning your soul is returned, so that eventually the term that is specified for you may be completed. This is not going to go on forever. Every morning the soul is returned, but it's not going to come back at one point. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take it away, that will be over. It will not be returned to the body. Meaning, then eventually death will be given. ثُمَّ إِلَيْهِ Then to him, مَرْجِعُكُمْ Your return. ثُمَّ then يُنَبِّئُكُمْ He will inform you. بِمَا With that which كُنْتُمْ You were تَعْمَلُونَ You all do. Meaning then eventually, your soul shall not be returned. You will be instead taken back to Allah and He will inform you about everything that you have acquired in your life. So what do we learn in this ayah? That Allah causes us to sleep. He causes us to wake up during the day. He knows everything that we acquire throughout the day. And eventually, when the life term of each person is fulfilled, then the soul shall not be joined with the body. Instead, the person will be taken to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is our return. And over there what will happen? You will be informed of what you did. What does it mean by this? He will inform you about all that you acquired. Meaning, don't think that whatever you are doing right now doesn't mean anything. That just because you did something yesterday, now yesterday is over, your deeds are over. No, they're not over. They're recorded. They're saved. And you will see them. They will come before you. When? When you will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what does it mean by this? What's the purpose of you seeing your actions so that you are given your recompense? You know, just like throughout the year, what happens is that we take several tests. Each test that we take, the marks are recorded. But what happens? We get the test paper back and we put it away or we lose it or we get rid of it. But just because we have removed it from our sight, it doesn't mean it has become non-existent. Eventually, when the course will end, the result will come before you. Isn't it so? The result will come before you. So just like that, whatever we are doing today, it is being recorded. Tomorrow we will see it, meaning the results will be given to us. ثُمَّ يُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ So we started from a certain point. We are now here for a term. When this term will be over, we are going back to Allah. Answerable for all that we have acquired. وَهُوَ And He is القاهر, The subjugator. فَوْقَ Above عِبَادِهِ His servants. Allah, He is the subjugator over His servants. القاهر It's one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's from the root letters. قَافْ هَا رَا قَهْر 
قَهْر is to overcome someone. How? That whatever you say will be done. Whatever you decide will be done. It's 100% your authority, your control, your say, your power. قَهْر So the other on whom you have power has no control. They have no liberty, no freedom, nothing at all. So Al-Qahir, he is the subjugator فَوْقَ عِبَادِهِ Above his servants. Remember that the word Qahid doesn't necessarily give the meaning of oppressor. Oppressor gives the meaning of someone who is unjust and unfair. Right? Someone who is forcing other people to do something you know, against their will. No. Qahid is someone who has full authority over someone, full control over someone. So that they have no say, no freedom at all. And it doesn't mean that they are unjust and unfair. It just means that they have full control and authority. This is just like a mother okay, or an adult person has full authority over who? An infant. Okay, The infant doesn't want to be changed, but the adult person will change them. The infant is crying, screaming, but still the mother is changing the baby. The infant wants to be picked up, but the mother decides no, the baby should not be picked up right now. He needs to cry it out for a few minutes at least, for instance. All right? So the baby, does he have any control? All he can do is just scream and cry. That's it. But who has ultimate authority? The person with more power. So it's like as though the mother has qahara over the baby. But still we see that adults don't have full authority. Because sometimes what happens is that you want the baby to sleep. Hmm? And you'll try for hours sometimes to have the baby go to sleep. But will the baby sleep? Can you have full control over there? No, you can't. So ultimately what happens is that before others, we see our weakness. We are defeated, even by little children sometimes. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has full authority, full control. He is al-qahir, subjugator over His servants. And this means that whatever He decides for a person, that person has no control. He has no say then, no freedom then, nothing at all. He is just weak. It is going to happen to him. He has no control over the situation. And it doesn't matter how strong a person may be, how powerful they may be, how much money they may possess. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He decides something, then His will prevails. His decision, it prevails. Then people have no control. Fir'aun, didn't he have supreme authority in the land? Didn't he? What did he claim? That he was a god. He said that look at all these rivers, they flow at my command. Look at all my power. He said to the people that I do not know of any god for you except for myself, that I am your god. But still, what happened to him when he was in the middle of the sea and the sea started closing in on him? Whose will prevailed? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهُوَ الْقَاهِرُ فَوْقَ عِبَادِهِ He is the subjugator over his servants. He has complete control and authority. All are subservient to his supreme will. And this means that he cannot be opposed. His will cannot be resisted in any way. وَهُوَ الْقَاهِرُ فَوْقَ عِبَادِهِ وَيُرْسِلُ And he sends عَلَيْكُمْ upon you حَفَظَةً Guardian angels. He sends upon you guardian angels. Why? In order to guard you. The word hafadah is the plural of hafil. It is the plural of the word hafil. 
And hafil is from the root. What's the root? Hafala. Any word that comes to your mind when you hear these letters? Huh? Hifz. What does hifz mean? Tahfil. To memorize the Quran. What does that mean? That you're preserving the Quran where? In your heart and your mind, in your memory. You're keeping it safe. I remember once a sister, she shared with me what her teacher said to her. She said when she started memorization, her teacher asked her, why do you want to memorize the Qur'an? She said, because I want to be able to recite it. I want to be of those people who will be honored on the Day of Judgment. Right? Because the one who has preserved the Qur'an, he will be honored on the Day of Judgment. Right? There's much reward for him. So she kept going on and on. Finally the teacher said that, good, this is all good. However, your intention should also be that you want to preserve the Qur'an. You want to be of those people who are the carriers of the Qur'an. Because the Qur'an is preserved not just in writing, but also in memory. There are some papers, some books, some sheets that contain the Qur'an or maybe some gadgets. Okay? And then there are some hearts that have the Qur'an in them that have preserved the Qur'an inside of them. So you want to be of those people who have the Qur'an in their hearts. You want to preserve the Qur'an. You want to convey it forward. You want to be of those people who are carriers of the Qur'an. So, hifz, what does it mean? To preserve, to look after, to ensure that something is safe. So, يُرْسِلُ عَلَيْكُمْ Allah. Allah sends you guardians on you. Those who look after you. Those who ensure that you are safe. Assalamu alaikum. I remember once I saw on YouTube this person, he doesn't know how to speak, uh, he doesn't know how to talk to others, but he memorized Quran. And then the chef asked him, did you memorize Quran? What he replied, he said, Al-Quran huwa al-hafid. So the Quran, the one is protected. So. That we think that we are preserving the Qur'an, but in reality the Qur'an is preserving us. So anyway, وَيُرْسِدُ alaykum حَفَظَةً So حَفَظَةً over here gives us two meanings. First of all, as you know, plural of حَافِظ. حَافِظ gives the meaning of firstly, protector. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends on us who? Angels who are like protectors, guardians. Why? To protect us, to guard us, to preserve us from what? From harm, from danger. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Surah Al-Ra'd, Ayah 11, لَهُ مُعَقِّبَاتٌ مِّن بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِ يَحْفَظُونَهُ مِنْ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ For each person are successive angels, meaning who have shifts. Like, you know, security guards, they have shifts. Some have the night duty, some have the day duty. So, just like that, successive angels, okay, before and behind him, who protect him by the decree of Allah. In Surah Al-Tariq, Ayah 4, we learn in kullu nafsin lamma alayha hafil. There is no soul except that there is a guardian appointed over it. When a person recites ayatul kursi, for example, in the morning or in the evening, then what happens? Angels are appointed to guard him. Assalamu alaikum. I just want to share this one ayatul kursi. How is great? I remember once a sister she was uh, sleeping and uh, in back home and. She always read Ayatul Kursi, she always do Al-Kar. So it was very dark and I'm seeing light, huge light beside her. And I said, what is that? And she telling me, you see it too? I said, yeah. 
And she said, I don't know. I see every time, but I don't know what is it. And I was surprised. MashaAllah. So, وَيُرْسِلُ عَلَيْكُمْ حَفَوَةً Allah sends angels to guard people, to preserve them. And this happens at various occasions throughout a person's life. Like example was given of when a person goes to sleep, he recites Ayatul Kursi, he takes refuge in Allah, he seeks protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah sends angels to preserve him. Preserve him, protect him from who? From the evil of shaitan, from the evil of various harmful creatures. Okay? Recently what happened, my son, he had a nightmare. Children do, right? So he had a nightmare and he woke up really, really scared. So I told him that you should read Ayatul Kursi before you go to sleep. He says, and then we had a conversation that mama you do read it so I read it for him but I said no now you have to read it yourself so alhamdulillah he started reading himself and he said now shaitan is not going to bother me inshallah shaitan is not going to bother you so this is true that the angels are appointed to protect a person so that shaitan also keeps away in the hadith what do we learn that the angels they do not enter a house in which there is a dog or in which there are pictures and why is it necessary to have angels come to your house? To protect you and preserve you because they bring Allah's mercy. And think about it. If the angels are present, can shaitan come then? Will he have the confidence to come? And if he tries to cause any mischief, if he tries to create some facade, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's angels are there to protect you and preserve you. Just like that, another occasion where the angels protect a person. Prophet ﷺ at various battles, hmm? Fighting against the mushrikeen, the enemy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He sent groups and groups of angels to protect the Muslims. Right? In the Quran we learn that إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّرَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا تَتَنَزَّلُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ That those people who say, our Lord is Allah, and then they become firm on this. They don't give up this belief at all. They remain firm. Then what happens? The angels descend on them. أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْسَنُوا That don't have fear and don't be sad. نَحْنُ أَوْلِيَاءُكُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ We are your friends in the life of this world and we will also be your friends in the hereafter. So, your friends in this world, what does it mean? That they come to preserve you and to guard you. And you know some scholars, they have said that there are multiple angels guarding the eyes of a person. Protecting just your eyes, multiple angels. And sometimes you'll see that you fall or someone falls, they trip and they get hurt. Just on the side and their eye is just saved. Their eye is just saved. Hmm? So what happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects people, right? And these angels, why do they protect a person? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent them. وَيُرْسِلُوا He sends alaykum hafadah. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ رَقِيبًا We learned the Qur'an that Allah is over everything an observer. So Allah Himself is the greatest protector. And then He also sends His troops in order to protect the servant. Secondly, حَفَظَ over here also means keepers and watchers. Meaning those who record and preserve what? The deeds of the son of Adam. The actions of every single one of us. Not just the actions, but also the words. Because in the Quran we learn, A person does not utter a single word except that there is an angel that is ever present, prepared to record it. You utter, you say, 
And the angel has recorded immediately. So not just our words, but also our actions. Everything we do, the angels preserve and record. In Surah Al-Infitar, Ayah 10, 11. وَإِنَّ عَلَيْكُمْ لَحَافِظِينَ كِرَامًا كَاتِبِينَ Indeed, upon you are preservers, keepers. Who are they? Kiraman. Honorable angels, noble angels that are katibin, that are writing and recording everything you say and do. Now again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows whatever we are doing. He knows whatever we are saying. But it is at His command the angels are keeping this record. They are maintaining this record. Abu Hurairah who reported, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, there are angels who take turns in visiting you by night and by day. There are angels of Allah who take turns in what? In visiting you by night and by day. So some angels, they come to visit you during the night and some angels, they come to visit you during the day. And they all assemble at Fajr and Asr time. At the time of Fajr and at the time of Asr, all the angels are present. What does this mean? This is just like if one person has a morning duty. Okay, the day shift. And another person has the night shift. So from the time that the morning shift begins, okay, at that time, who will be present? Both the individuals. The one who is finishing his night shift and the one who is going to begin his day shift. Both will be present, right? And just like that, when the day shift is going to end, both will be present. The one who is ending his day shift and the one who is going to begin his night shift. So the angels... They visit us some during the day and some during the night, but at two times all are present. Which two times? At the time of Fajr and at the time of Asr. Okay? And then what happens? Those who have spent the night with you, they ascend to the heaven and their Lord who knows better about them asks, in what condition did you leave my slaves? They reply, we left them while they were performing salah. And we went to them while they were performing salah. We left them as they were performing asr. When we came to them, they were performing fajr. وَيُرْسِلُ عَلَيْكُمْ حَفَوَةً Allah sends on you angels to watch your deeds. Allah knows already. But He sends angels to witness our actions. So the next time we're finding it difficult to wake up for fajr, think about it. Angels are right here. And they're going to go to Allah and tell Him what? That I'm still in bed. That I'm still hitting snooze. Hmm? That I'm still saying five more minutes, five more minutes, five more minutes. And the next time we're delaying our prayers, also prayers, again remind yourself that the angels are here right now. And they're going to go to Allah. What are they going to tell Him? That she's just finishing up her TV show. She's just almost done reading the book. And salah, yeah, yeah, she will pray later. Maybe, perhaps. So, وَيُرْسِلُ عَلَيْكُمْ حَفَظَةً He sends on you guardians. And these angels, they remain with the person during the day, during the night. And they visit him like this at regular intervals. حَتَّى أَنْتِلْ إِذَا وَنْ جَاءَ It came, أَحَدَكُمْ One of you, الْمَوْتُ The death. This keeps happening. Day shift, night shift keeps changing until eventually the time of death approaches a person. Then what happens? تَوَفَّتْهُ رُسُلُنَا Then the angels don't just come and witness the action and go report to Allah, 
but rather they take him. Tawafathu. They take him. Rusuluna, our sent ones, our messengers. Over here, messengers means the angels who have been sent by Allah specifically to take the soul of the person. Tawafathu rusuluna. They take his soul. Wahum la yufarriqun. And they do not fail. They do not fall short. In what? In fulfilling their duty. In taking the soul of a person. So what do we learn over here? That a person is never alone. During the day and during the night. Anywhere, anytime, there are always angels with you. Either protecting you and guarding you, or protecting and guarding your deeds. And on regular basis, the deeds are reported to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah knows already, but still the angels are being made to witness our actions, and they go and report to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this keeps happening until the time when a person is supposed to die. Then what happens? Allah sends rusul. And these rusul are the angels of death who come to a person and do not leave until they have taken his soul. Until they have taken his soul. In hadith we learn that when a person is supposed to die, the angel of death comes with multiple other angels. There are multiple angels who come to take the soul of a person. If a person is a righteous person, a righteous servant of Allah, then which group of angels come? Hmm? Which group of angels come? Those who look beautiful, those who smell beautiful, those with shining, radiant faces. And if a person is sinful and disobedient, then what kind of angels come? Those who are horrific in their appearance. Scary. And when they come, they wait until the exact moment. They come and they wait. They keep looking at the person, waiting for the exact moment to take the soul away. And when the time comes, they say, he has eaten what he was supposed to eat. He has already drank what he was supposed to drink. Meaning he has consumed everything that was decreed for him. And now, his time has come. And they take his soul وَفَتْهُ رُسُلُنَا وَهُمْ لَا يُفَرِّطُونَ يُفَرِّطُونَ is from فَرَّطَى And it means to neglect. So they do not neglect in taking the soul. Meaning they do not leave any of it in the body. No, they take it fully. Likewise, they do not lose it on the way. No, they take it and they deliver it where it is supposed to be delivered. وَفَتْهُ رُسُلُنَا وَهُمْ لَا يُفَرِّطُونَ ثُمَّ then رُدُّوا They all are returned إِلَى اللَّهِ to Allah. When the time has come, the angels have taken the soul, then the soul is taken, returned to who? Allah. And who is Allah? مَوْلَاهُمْ Their Lord. الحق, the true. Their souls are taken to who? Allah, their true Lord. Allah, unquestionably, lahu for him, meaning Allah has al-hukm, the judgment, meaning the judgment, the final decision, lies alone with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if he decides for a person to die at a given time, he will die. No matter how much people try to rescue him, no matter how much the entire world tries to save his life, no. Allah, lahu al-hukm, judgment, this decision lies only with Allah. Wahua, and he is Asra'u, most swift al-hasibin of those who take account. In hadith we learn that when 
Adam alayhi salam was created and he was shown all of his children. He saw a man who was very you know, handsome in his appearance, very you know, attractive. So Adam alayhi salam asked Allah that who is this? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, this is your son Dawood. Dawood alayhi salam. So Adam alayhi salam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that how much life has Dawood been given? Meaning how long will he live in the dunya? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed him. It was a very limited amount, if I'm not mistaken, 40, 60, less than 100. So Adam alayhi salam said, give him these many years from my life. Give him these many years from my life. He wanted that Dawood should live longer. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, okay. So what happened when Adam was in the dunya and the time of his death came, the angels of death were sent to him. He said that, no, I still have these 50, 60 years. And he was reminded that, no, you gave that time to your son Dawood. You gave that time to who? Your son Dawood. So anyway, what do we see here? That every person's time of death is fixed. The angels come at the exact specified time and they do not neglect in fulfilling their duties. And the matter of death and life is only with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning He ultimately decides. And here we also see, وَهُوَ أَصْرَعُ الْحَاسِبِينَ He is the most swift of those who take account. What does this mean? That asra'u is from seen ra'in and sura is to be quick, to be prompt. And hasibin plural of hasib. Hasib, one who takes hisab. So this means that soon after the soul is taken, the accounting begins. The hisab begins. Does it? Does it begin immediately? Yes, it does. Because when a person's soul is taken and eventually when he is buried in his grave, whatever that grave may be, whether it's the belly of a fish, or it is, you know, under rubble, okay, or it is in the depths of the ocean, or it is literally in a grave, whatever that grave may be, where a person's body rests, that is where his hisab begins. What do we learn in the hadith? That a person, when he's left in his grave, then the angels come and they ask him questions. How many questions do they ask him? Three questions. What are they? من ربك Who is your Lord? Then ما دينك What is your religion? And من نبيك Who is your prophet? The hisab begins immediately. And then eventually when the day of judgment will come in, then what will happen? The hisab, when it will begin, it will take long time to begin. But once it begins, it will be dealt with immediately. In this dunya, what happens? A case, it takes sometimes years and years, sometimes a decade or more to be finally resolved. You know, sometimes you hear in the news, so-and-so person who was accused of such and such crime back in 1990-something, back in 2000-something, today, finally, he got his final verdict. After how many years? So many, many years. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the hisab, then he is asra'ul hasibin. In hadith we learn that the total time that it will take for the hisab to be over is like from the morning until early afternoon. Morning until early afternoon. Just imagine the entire creation, the hisab is done in this time. It will take many thousands of years for the hisab to begin. But once it begins, very swift. وَهُوَ asra'ul hasibin. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses.
So we have come from Allah and we shall return to Allah. Why? Because ultimately we belong to Him. He is the true Malik because He is the one who created. And every single one of us will return to Him and His will will prevail over us. In this dunya, when we come to life, when we sleep, when we wake up, and ultimately when we die. So what is very important then? That we are careful about our deeds. Because this is what we have to show, this is what we are preparing to present to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we finally meet Him. Whatever we are doing. And for that, to witness all of our actions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends hafadah, guardians to watch us to preserve our actions so that they're not lost in history. No, they're recorded, preserved. And this shows that we should be very careful. But sometimes we're very heedless about what we say, about what we do. When we're writing, we're writing carelessly. When we're talking, we're talking endlessly without even thinking that everything is being recorded. We pollute our lives and we pollute the lives of others with so much junk. Junk meaning our actions which are useless, our words that are useless, our thoughts that are useless. And think about it, whatever we are doing now, we have to show it to Allah. When we say, إِنَّ الصَّلَاةِ وَنُسُكِ وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ What does it mean? That my prayer, my sacrifice, my life, my death, everything is for Allah. This life of mine, I dedicate it to Allah. What kind of life is it that we are dedicating to Allah? Is it worth dedicating? Think about it every day. Ask yourself, this day I dedicate to Allah. Is it worth dedicating? What have I done in this day? What good have I accomplished? What bad did I leave that I can say, yes, oh Allah, this day of mine is for you so that you can be happy with me. And if we don't perform our you know, actions with ihsan, if we don't bring about ihsan in our day and our night, then again, eventually, we are going to Allah. And He is going to question, وَهُوَ أَسْرَعُ الْحَاسِبِينَ He is the most swift in taking account. Because death is certain. Each one of us has to return. 
In a hadith we learn, Al-Bara bin Azib, he reported the Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed, when a believer is at the point of departure from the worldly life, meaning when the time of death comes to him, and he is about to enter the next life, angels descend from the heaven, their faces white as the sun, white, shining, radiant as the sun. They carry with them a shroud from the fabric of Jannah and embalmment from the fragrance of Jannah meaning fragrance from Jannah, to apply on that person. They sit away from him at the limit of his eyesight. And sometimes it happens that there is a person who is at the verge of dying and they keep asking that, you know, these guests are here, please make them sit somewhere. And everybody's like, which guests? Who are you talking about? Have you heard of such stories? That people who are in that state of near death, they're saying, they're referring to people who are around them but nobody sees any people around them. Uh, that happened with my grandmother. She was having cancer. And even my um, auntie, my pupo, she was a doctor. And she was saying to her, look, the people are coming here. They're going to take me. And everybody was looking and saying, no, nobody's here. And after like five minutes, she was no more with them. So it happens that sometimes people even see the angels. And because they're in that state of you know, between consciousness and consciousness, between life and death, really, they're at that bridge. Sometimes they also talk about whom they see. So they sit away from him at the limit of his eyesight. The angel of death then arrives. The angel of death then arrives, sits by his head and says, O good and peaceful soul, depart to Allah's forgiveness and acceptance. On hearing this, the soul leaves the body as easily as water drops from the spout of a water skin. Think about a water bottle. When you're pouring it, how easily does water come out? It just flows out so easily, so smoothly. Just like that, the soul leaves the body so smoothly, so easily. It doesn't mean that a person will not experience any pain. No, he does experience pain. Think about the Prophet ﷺ. What did he say when he was in Nazar? That, that indeed death has its agonies. It brings agony. There was, you know, he almost had really high fever, sweating profusely, experiencing a lot of pain. So that is going to happen. Aisha Anha, she said that when I saw that, I don't think that if any person dies an easy death, then they're necessarily a righteous person. No. When the Prophet ﷺ, he experienced so much pain in dying, then every other person is perhaps going to experience more pain. Imagine if he suffered so much pain, other people will too. But, we see that the soul leaves easily. Of who? A righteous person. And then the angel of death takes the soul. When his soul leaves his body, all the angels between the heaven and the earth and all the angels in heaven pronounce salah upon him. Meaning they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send his blessings upon that person. That his soul has left the body. Imagine all the angels between the heaven and the earth, all the angels in the skies. What are they praying for? That person. That may Allah bestow his blessings upon him. All gates of heaven open for him. And by heaven I mean the skies. Okay? All the gates are open for him. And the guardians of every gate implore Allah that his soul ascends in their direction. 
So the angels, they ask, that, Oh Allah, make this person come our way. We want to meet him. We want to greet him. We want to welcome him. When the angel of death takes the soul, the other angels do not leave it in his hand for as little as a blinking of an eye. They take it and they place it in its shroud. Which shroud? The shroud from Jannah. And they put the fragrance on it. And from it issues the most beautiful scent of musk that ever existed on earth. Most beautiful fragrance. And to this, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ثُمَّ تَوَفَّتْهُ رُسُلُنَا وَهُمْ لَا يُفَرِّطُونَ These words apply. That the angels take the soul in full and they do not neglect at all. In another hadith we learn, indeed when death descends upon a believer and he witnesses things, meaning the reward that is awaiting him, he wishes that his soul would depart quickly. As he sees the angels of death coming and he sees that they are with shining radiant faces, what does he want? That my death should come quickly, my soul should be taken quickly. He wants to go quickly to Allah. And Allah loves to meet him. When he is being taken, the angels of mercy come to him with a piece of white silk. And the angel of death says, Depart, O good soul, that inhabited a good body. Tayyib soul in a tayyib body. A good soul in a good body. And ask yourself here, that how clean is my body? Clean in the sense that, according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's standard of cleanliness. How clean is my soul? According to standard of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says, Depart, O good soul that inhabited a good body. Depart gracefully and receive good news of happiness, sweet fragrance, and a Lord who is not unhappy with you. Receive the good news of happiness, of sweet fragrance, and a Lord who is not unhappy with you. And this continues to be said until it leaves the body. So as the soul is being extracted, the angels, they say such comforting words to him. And eventually when the soul is taken out, then the most beautiful scent of musk is issued. The angels pass the soul to each other, each one smelling it. Just imagine, you know when you find a, a flower that smells really beautiful, you smell it and you pass it to your friend who passes it to somebody else, who passes it to somebody else. Or if you're at a store and somebody you know, gives you a sample to smell, what do you do? You smell it. You pass it around so that everybody can enjoy that beautiful smell. Just like that, when the righteous soul is taken out, the angels smell and they pass it around. That you also smell, you also smell so beautiful. And on the other hand, what happens? That when a person who doesn't believe in Allah, when a person who is sinful, when he is at the point of departure from the worldly life and is about to enter the hereafter, then angels with horrific faces, scary appearance, they descend to him from the heavens. And they bring with them tough fabrics from the fire, meaning from the hell fire. They sit away from him at the limit of his eyesight. The angel of death arrives, sits by his head and says, O evil soul, depart to the anger and punishment of Allah. On hearing this, it becomes terrified and clings to the body. But the angel of death extracts it by force. Like a skewer is pulled from wet wool. Just imagine something very thorny. okay? That is pulled away from let's say a woolen scarf that you may have. What will happen to the woolen scarf? As you pull that thorny sharp skewer away, 
What's going to happen to the wool? It's going to get torn apart. It's going to get ripped. So just like that, the soul is pulled out, extracted forcefully. And imagine the pain and the agony that a person experiences, causing the veins and nerves to burst, and the angel of death takes it. Every angel between the heavens and the earth, and every angel of the heavens curses him. The gates of heavens are shut. The guardians of every gate implore that Allah do not send this person towards us. We don't want to see him. We don't want to be those who have to witness his arrival. We don't want to know him. When the angel of death takes the soul, the other angels do not leave it in his hand for as little as the blinking of an eye. They put it in that tough fabric and from it emanates the most repugnant smell of a decaying carcass that ever existed on earth. Nasty smell. In another hadith we learn when death descends upon an enemy of Allah and he witnesses things, meaning his punishment, then he wishes that his soul would never depart and Allah hates to meet him. He doesn't want to leave and Allah doesn't want to meet him. The angels of punishment come to him with coarse fabric and the angel of death says, Depart, O evil soul that inhabited an evil body. Depart disgracefully to Allah's punishment and receive evil tidings of boiling fluids and dirty wound discharges to drink and other types of suffering of similar nature all paired together. And this continues to be said until it departs, smelling like the worst of decayed carcasses. So death is something that is real. Every person is eventually going to die. And how a person dies depends on how he lives now. Think about it. What do the angels say? Oh, good soul that lived in a good body. Clean soul, clean body. Evil soul, evil body. So these are two things that we need to focus on. What's in my heart? What's in my mind? What kind of thoughts? What kind of feelings? What kind of hopes and wishes? What do I like? What do I dislike? What do I yearn for? What am I repulsed by? It matters a lot. My body. How much effort do I put in to keep it clean? And by keeping it clean, I don't mean taking a shower every day or every other day. I'm talking about wudu. Wudu. How much effort do I put in to make wudu? Because sometimes we become lazy in making wudu. Right? How much effort do I put in shore that there is no unnecessary hair on my body? Which we have been told very clearly to remove from certain parts of the body. Because a good soul cannot be in a bad body. You know one of the companions, he was jailed literally for a long time, for several days. And eventually the mushrikeen of Makkah, they were going to execute him publicly. So when they came to take him, in order to execute him, he requested that he should be allowed to pray. And before he performed salah, he asked if he could get something in order to clean his body, in order to get rid of unnecessary hair from his private parts. Because he was jailed, he wasn't able to keep his body clean. So he wanted that when he dies, his body is clean. So he asked for it. He cleaned himself, took a bath, performed salah, and then he was publicly executed. Just imagine how careful the companions of the Prophet ﷺ were about their body being clean. So this is something that we need to pay attention to as well. Tayyib soul in a tayyib body. In the Qur'an we learn that those whom the angels take, 
tayyibin when they are tayyib and what does it mean by that that they're good in their hearts good in their bodies so we pay a lot of emphasis on beautifying perfecting our face that there should be no extra hair above our eyebrow below our eyebrow between our eyebrows every hair bothers us but when it comes to wudu we don't pay much attention and when it comes to taking a ghusl properly at the right time again we neglect that so these are things that matter more so death is certain it will come the angels of death will come but who will come to take my soul this is something that we need to ask ourselves every day who is going to come to take my soul whenever we are alone think about it there may be angels who are waiting to take my soul away what kind of angels are they what kind of malaika are they and have the yearning to meet allah because the more a person wants to meet allah allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to meet him too and yes we are afraid of dying death is difficult but it is easier to accept it when a person has something that he has prepared to show to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so every day question yourself what have i prepared to present to my lord What have I accomplished to show to Allah? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help every single one of us to do that in our lives which will really prepare us for that final meeting with Him. That will help make that meeting a good one. That will make our departure an easy departure from this life. Assalamu alaikum. I just wanted to share that on 9th of Zulhijjah, my Tayabu, my uh, dad's elder brother, he passed away. He came from Isha Salah and um, he was sitting and they were just preparing for Eid. So he was talking to his kids and all of a sudden he had a heart attack and within five minutes he passed away. But the thing is that uh, after the next, like he passed away at night time, so next day right after Eid Salah, it was his janazah. So there were so many people who came on his funeral, but... Like our family, his sons, nobody knew. Everybody was a stranger for uh, for them. So everybody was cry- crying for him. And whoever came, the, the thing they said about him was that because he was a teacher in a school and he taught for 35 years in a school. So there were students who came and they said, like, we were or- orphaned. And since we came to the school, your dad was paying for our fees. There was one guy, he was crying and crying and crying. He wasn't stopping. So my cousin went to him and he said, he was my dad. I'm not crying that much. Why you are crying that much? So he said that um, when I was uh, young, my mom came to the school and um, she um, asked the uh, admin to give me the admission, but she didn't have the fees. So the admin said, no, go get the fee and then bring your child. But uh, he was there, so he said, uh, Sister, you just take him to the class, I will take care of him. So now that guy was a professor in a university, so he said, like, your dad paid my fee from the beginning of my school till my university, and now I'm a professor in the same university. And no, but like most of the time what happens when men do something, they come home and they discuss with their wives. Even my Tayama never knew what he was doing. Nobody was aware. And there were so many people, but we, we never knew who, who, who those people are. 
secret deeds between yourself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that nobody knows about. And this is something that we need to pay attention to. Every day do something that nobody knows about. Once it was mentioned in khutbah that they met a really famous scholar and they asked him that, you know, how do you do this? That everybody knows about what you're doing and your lectures and everything. How do you keep your niya straight? You know, don't you have this fear that you begin to show off or that what if your actions are not accepted? How do you deal with this? And they said that whatever actions of mine are public, I consider them to be nothing. I think as though I have not done them. I have not performed them. I don't give any importance and any value to them. So any lecture I've given, any you know public effort that I've started, anything at all, any movement, anything, I don't give any value to it. In front of my eyes, it's like nothing. I don't count it as a good deed for myself. So then it makes me do other things which are between me and Allah. So that hopefully, inshallah, there will be something that will bring me benefit on that day. knows about that. It should go for such kind of things. Such deeds should go for such things. Whether it is secret sadaqah or helping somebody, anything, or reciting the Qur'an, because sometimes when we're reciting the Qur'an, we want to make sure that, yeah, my mom knows I read the Qur'an today. Okay? So that she doesn't have to tell me again and again. Right? When we're praying, we want to make sure that everybody knows that yes, I performed my salah so that nobody nags me again and again. So, yes, there are things, there are actions that will become public inevitably. But at the same time, there should be some actions that are really a secret between you and Allah. Because this is what produces ikhlas. This is what brings love in your heart for Allah. This is what makes you look forward to meeting Allah. This is really a day. This is really a life that is worth dedicating to Allah. And when the angel of death will come, then inshallah, there will be those with radiant faces, giving him good news. Just a tip for uh, being a tahir uh, in body. Inshallah, uh, remember the ayah Allah said, Inna Allaha yuhibbu tawabina wa yuhibbu al-mutahirin. So if you remember that, you will say, I will do what you saw, Allah can love me. Yes, very true. Jazakillah wa khairan.